Hey guys, you're listening to Soul Food. My name is Daniel, and I am the pastor of a church called Soul here at Alostar in Malaysia. In this podcast, we will dive into conversations that will help us with our views of certain habits and behaviors that take place in our culture. As you're listening, I'm sure you'll learn a thing or two, but I believe this podcast will help you to expand your perspective. This is Soul Food. Let's dive right in. I'm so excited today to have my little sister in this conversation and we're going to talk about something that is very real that's taking place in Malaysia. But before we begin, uh, a little shout out to our American brothers and sisters, everything that's going on and taking place there. Know that our prayers are going out to you. Know that we love you. And so I begin to ponder and think about what's happening in America and I just can't help but to relate about my own life and what my sister is also going through here in Malaysia. And so, Rach, I'm just so excited to have you here on this podcast. Hello! And so I've been doing a lot of thinking, especially what's been happening in America uh, with George Floyd and basically the whole domino effect that's been taking place. And I mean, it's, it's really crazy what's happening out there. But here in Malaysia, we also face our own racism. And I think what's worse for us Malaysians is that we have like subtle racism that is quiet. And I can even push it further. It has become a norm for some of us to say certain things. I remember growing up uh, in a vernacular school, uh, one of the young boys came up to me and actually said, uh, like... <laughs> And, and of course, uh, for those of you who don't know Mandarin, that is the Darley uh, toothpaste, which is the, the black guy in front of the toothpaste. And he called me that. And I didn't know how to respond. And I, I laughed together with him. So, Rach, maybe you could share your experience of racism. Um, I think when I think about my um, experience, I think I also, I was sent to vernacular school as well. And um, I went, to Chinese school for six years. And um, though I can't point out like a specific incident or like a specific memory that happened to me, but um, I have to say that like growing up uh, and spending those years in Chinese school was very, um, the experience was very alienating. I think the fact that um, majority, if not all of my friends were Chinese and they naturally had very fair skin. And I was always the brown-skinned girl, you know, in class. And it was also odd to them to some extent that, like, a brown-skinned girl was, you know, like, learning Mandarin and, you know, um, and speaking Chinese. And it's like, wait, so is she Chinese or not Chinese? Or, you know, what is she, you know? Um, so I've always felt, in some sense, kind of alienated and a bit outcast during those years. Um, yeah, I, I can't point a particular incident, but for me, that was my experience. I think for us, Rach, growing up, I'm sure that we have ticked line line on the on a form or an exam paper. And I remember an incident for myself uh, when I ticked line line. My teacher actually came up to me and said that, "No, Daniel, you are not line line." And I was like, "What do you mean?" Like, and he began to ask, "Like, um, your father, what race is he?" Uh, oh, he's an Indian. Yeah, so you are an Indian. But when you think. <laughs> 
when you when you really think deeper about this, actually, Rach, we are not Indian, we are not Chinese. We we are really a whole new race altogether. And I think that a lot of people are facing this and they don't know what to do. They don't know what to expect. And so they just go with the flow. You know, okay, that's what my teacher told me. And I remember an incident in school. I don't know if this relates, but Mama gave us names, uh, Chinese names from the Bible. Remember that, Rachel? Yeah. <laughs> and so we used that because in a Chinese school, we had to have Chinese names, right? And what was your Chinese name then? I remember it was Tan Yili. <laughs> right, based off the Bible. But class teacher said, no, don't simply give yourself a name. I'm like, no, this is what my mom actually gave me. And she's like, no. Yeah. Um, your name is Daniel, right? Let me call you Tanyu. <laughs> Are you for real? Which direct translates to big cow. <laughs> and can you imagine? Okay, th this is just me now. I, I was just raging because I remember the next that day, so I went back, I'm like, Ma, you got to come to school and talk to teacher like this. And of course, she came and talked to teacher and then the teacher was like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> anyway, I, I hated that teacher. Um, but she also did the same thing yeah. for my Malay friends and my Indian friends as well. And God knows what their name were. Y y you know what I mean? Coming back to this, you know, we all face... <laughs> different kinds of racism, you know, in, in school, in campus. And, and the subtle ones are the really hurtful ones. And I remember, Rach, uh, Papa Mama went to Europe and you have your story to share. Can you please tell us about it? So um, I had just finished my year in, in Europe studying and Pops and Mama were coming to spend time with, with, with me there. And so we had traveled a little bit and we stayed with some relatives. And so, um, and this, this came, this remark and this situation came from like a close relative, you know, which we will not mention names <laughs> for the sake of this podcast. Please don't mention names. <laughs> but um, you and I know, and, and, you know, we were just having a conversation casually one evening and my mom was complaining to her about, you know, our late dog, you know, we used to have a Rottweiler named Peanut and he was like a big uh, black dog and we loved him so much, you know, he was like part of our family. Um, but mom was kind of like complaining to her how Peanut hated taking showers. He hated it. And every time mom or dad showered him, he would like run to the wall and he would just roll, like he would drag his body against the wall, right? And my mom was complaining to her like how he would turn her white walls into like black walls, you know, because of, of his, his stain. And this relative of mine, you know, this relative of ours just nonchalantly added on, turns to look at my dad and says, Yo, Uncle Quillen, you better make sure my, you don't turn my walls black, ah. Man. And she's not a bad person. No, yeah, exactly. Like, she is, she is a generous and kind and, and loving person. And, and honestly, like, she took such great care of us and we had such a wonderful time. And, and, but, but again, like, you know, it was so appalling and it was so shocking. Like, Dan, I just remember standing there like, just dumbfounded for the first time ever. Like, I was seeing, like, blatant racism, but it was in the most subtle of ways. And I think there's so many factors to why um, there was no confrontation that happened. But, you know, it turned into this whole series of laughing, you know? And I don't actually think that everyone in the hall felt it was funny, but it was almost as if, like, it was the only thing left to do, you know? And I remember the only words that I could utter at the time was just, 
I just said like, that's not a very nice thing to say, you know. But then I, I couldn't even take the conversation further because I was so shocked, you know. I was just lost for words. And I'm sure when you said it, right, it must have like, it must be like an awkward laughter that carried forward from it, right? Oh my gosh. Then it was so awkward. Like, it was first like a bursting of laughter. And then after I commented, it was like an awkward laughter. And then like within seconds, the topic changed. So the way I see it is like, we are supposed to accept that what was said at the first place was funny and we're supposed to laugh about it. But you standing up for what is right ended up with something that was awkward. Yeah, totally. I think, I think it was also like, not knowing what to do on both ends. I think for that person, it was also perhaps shocking. Um, and on my end, again, I said I was also shocked because I'm thinking like, hey, it's 2020. Like, <laughs> how, how racist can we get? And like, you would think racism would happen more subtly. You know, you would think that these comments would be made behind the person. But this was like literally upfront. And the thing is, why I think, why I bother to mention this story, I mean, it's because I think this story and this reality is not far from us. I think it's, a, it's an encounter and experience that many of us can account for. You know, and we have found ourselves in places where we know, obviously, the person's being racist, but um, we, we just don't say it. We don't point it out. But you know, Rach, I, I've got to admit, you know, growing up, maybe you can share about it later, but growing up, um, because of how my peers would view Indians in general, I was actually embarrassed of my Indian heritage. Um, because, I mean, of course, Indians are the minority here and, and people would, you know, make fun. You know, Indians are like that. You know, uh, Indians are smelly. And, and so because of that, I, I wanted to feel belonged. I wanted to feel like I'm, I, I'm not an Indian because I'm not like that. And so it just became very unhealthy, you know. I mean, all of us want to smell good. There's nothing wrong with smelling good. But I think the why is important. And when I was younger, my why was wrong. My why, I, why I didn't want to to be smelly is because I didn't want to be associated to an Indian. It's not because generally I wanted to um, be, make everyone feel comfortable. That's why I put on a perfume. But no, I, I had a wrong why. And, and I have to admit, you know, and how about you, Rach? Have you faced something similar like that for yourself? Yeah, I think for me, um, I can totally identify with that too, to a certain extent. I mean, I have to say that like um, being a Chindian gives us the advantage of either side, depending on the situation. And I'll give you an example. Like when I had returned home, I was looking for a place to move in, right? And I was going through like, you know, a couple of agents and we finally came across this place that we really liked. And when I finally met the agent, the agent just blatantly told me that um, he took a screenshot of my WhatsApp photo. And I think presumably my WhatsApp photo was like depicting a very fair, fair skin Rachel, right? And he said that he sent the picture to the owner, the landlord, and the landlord instantly decided that he was going to rent the house to me. And the agent is telling me that like, had it, be, had it been for any other race, um, the owner wouldn't have been keen. And I was really shocked too. Again, like, I couldn't believe like, the words that were coming out of his mouth. And while I was shocked, um, on one hand, I also felt like I was also advantaged just because of the fact that like I'm half Chinese and the fact that I could speak Mandarin and that gave him sort of the comfort that like I was part Chinese, you know, like even though I'm not Chinese. Um, and well, 
having said that, I have a place now because of, I mean, it's so sad and so tragic, but it's, it's blatant racism. And I do know, and I do have friends um, who have shared that, you know, who are, who are Indians and who have shared that they struggle to find housing and rentals in specific places in Klang Valley uh, because it is predominantly a certain race, you know? So it, it breaks my heart, but I think that is the reality that, that we're facing right now. You know, it's, it's just... It's so rampant in our society. Rich, have you ever felt embarrassed to be an Indian before, Rich? Um, I can't say that I felt embarrassed to be an Indian, but I definitely have found myself um, with better advantages being Chinese. I think part of it was perhaps also because like I I loved I love Papa so much, and Papa is an Indian, and you know it would hurt me that people treated him differently and people saw things like that about him. And I think that's why, you know, when that situation happened in Europe, I was so upset. I was so upset and I couldn't reconcile with it because I felt like when you're saying that, you're saying my dad, you're saying my uncles and my aunties and you're saying my another side of my family that like means so much to me, you know? And so I... I couldn't say that I was I was embarrassed per se to be an Indian. Um, I had always taken pride that I was half half of both, but I would have to say that it was always conflicting. Like the example that you gave about how we were going through school and like we would never fit into any category because I would look at the form, Malay, okay, I'm not Malay, Chinese, okay, I'm not Chinese, and then Indian, I'm also not Indian. So then I guess others lah, you know, lion lion is my category. But then the teacher again, as you say, would correct me and say, no, you are an Indian. And in my head, I was I growing up, I was so confused because I was like, huh? But I'm not Indian, you know, like. But I think it became just a norm, and and growing up, we just had to adapt, you know, we just had to accept that this was our reality to some extent. Yeah, I I just want to say that this conversation that we're having today. For those of you who are listening, um, Rachel and I, we're not perfect. This is not a perfect conversation about, um, you know, how you can do better in your life. But no, we just want to bring in an awareness. And I think as we are beginning to talk about this, you know, I, I just want to be very honest with some of the things that I've been facing because, you know, Rach, sometimes when someone says a, or makes a ra- racial remark, I would actually just laugh it off. You know, and, and because we were taught from young, hey, toughen up yourself, you know, don't be such a sissy. You know, if someone says something like that, yeah, learn to fight back, you know, or, or learn to retaliate uh, a certain way. And or the best thing to do, you know, sometimes church in a church uh, arena, they will say like, hey, the best thing to do is not to say anything, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I mean, sometimes I feel it, that is taken out of context because we have to stand up for what is right. But at the same time, you have to be wise about how we do it. You know, there's another story. And um, there was this uh, relative as well. You know, they are not bad people. It's just that, I guess they were brought up that way as well. And so when they saw Kyle for the first time, they're like, wow, Kyle, so fair, so handsome. And then when they turned to Isla, Isla, you dark skin. Yee, not nice. What on planet Earth? Like- you know what I mean? But also at that moment, you know, I, I don't blame Mama. You know, Mama was there. You know, um, Caroline was there. I mean, we just like sheepishly laugh it off like, ha, ha, ha. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I try to take a jab. I'm like, hey, don't say that. I think what is happening in America right now shouldn't be taken for granted. 
And I just begin to ponder and think about it more. And I think this should be a lesson for me to learn. And I want to be doing better. I want to be a better human being. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. You know, I want to be proud of this heritage that I have, both Indian and Chinese, in me, in our blood. I want to be proud of it. And I don't want to be ashamed of either or. You know, and another story is that, uh, I think I told you before this auntie, I was working out outside the house. She drove by. And she said this in Mandarin. I think in Mandarin is is much more powerful. Okay, I'll, I'll translate it later. She said this. She's like, "Ayo, Daniel, your handsome. So basically, she's saying that, "Hey, your son is very handsome." But And direct translation, but oh your son God. doesn't look like you. Is he your son? And and she's saying that because. It's the color of our skin. Rage, I was angry. Yeah, I know I was who this angry. is. <laughs> and, okay, and that was the moment that I, I, I told her on the spot. I'm like, Wait, what are you talking about? Like, if you look at it in our Asian culture, I was being very, very disrespectful yeah, to an auntie. Yeah. She's older than me. Yeah. But I had to do it. I just had to tell her like, no, you cannot say this. You know, and I, I have to be honest, Rach, it affected me. Like I went back home, I told like Caroline, like, Sayang, like people are saying that this is not my son. Is this my son? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, ask her, is this, is this your son? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, you, you know, and I mean, all, all jokes aside, but that, that's how I, I, I felt. And this is what we want to defend and this is what we want to move forward, you know, and to be stronger human beings. And what I meant by being stronger is that, you know, we learn how to stand up at appropriate time, you know, um, voicing out is important, but not raging, you know, not just allowing your emotions to take control and getting the best of you, you know. And so, what do you think, Rach? What do you think are the ways that we could be proactive about this, you know, and we could be better? I think when, when we look at us as a society, um, Malaysia being a country that's very compliant, um, I think we generally are people who avoid conflict and confrontation at all costs. We're not very confrontational people. Um, and I think when I say compliant, it's not necessarily that like when we face a situation like that, it's not that we agree with it. It's just that we can't come to terms to, to bring up the conversation without getting into a fight. And we... So it, it almost feels as if like there are only two extremes to resolve this problem. It's either you just go, ah, awkward laugh about it and just be quiet about it. Um, but in your heart, you're like enraged, right? Um, or that you go to the further extreme of just lashing out, lah, you know, and, and immediately that's seen upon in our culture as like disrespectful, right? Um, so I think it's important, you know, for all of us to find some form of middle ground. So, you know, when you look at even the climate that's happening right now with um, the US and, and just how passionately people are feeling, I, I think there's always two sides of opinions. Uh, one being like, you know, you should moderately go about this. You know, why is this all turning into looting and fighting and um, burning places down? I, I think it's because, you know, there hasn't been enough room um, in our context, yeah, in, in Malaysian context, um, there hasn't been enough room for just conversation. And I think because we don't bring up um, 
by confronting someone in a healthy way and maybe because we don't know how to do that, that makes us feel like we only have two extreme options. But that's not, that's not the case. I think what's important as a society for us to grow from is that, you know, it's important for us to, health, uh, to have healthy discourse, right? And that we don't necessarily have to agree to someone's opinions, but we can still be great friends with them. And, and we can still... Um, walk away from a conversation saying, you know what, I, I still respectfully disagree with that opinion, but hey, we're going to move on from this conversation and we're going to continue to be friends. Um, and I think being able to do that, I think that is um, honestly a work in progress, like even for both of us, you know, it's it's not easy. Again, like bring, going back to that situation of what, you know, that relative said, right, in Europe. I mean, when I was in that situation, you know, I didn't know how to respond. And I felt that the only response was either I go on either extremes. And the only words, and now I think back, to, there's a sense of regret, you know, because the only words that could come out of my mouth was that that's not, that's not the right thing to say. Um, but I was too shocked to even bring the discussion further. And I kept thinking of all the implications, right? Oh man, this is going to make things very awkward. You know, Papa and Mama are going to say, it's okay, la, let it go, you know? And, I, you know, all these thoughts keep playing in your head. I think, you know, our culture for a long time has been such a compliant culture that we don't talk enough about this. But um, I think that's something as a way forward, if we want to really slowly um, talk about racism, if we want to con constantly open up the conversation, I think it's important that we um, are courageous enough to speak up about it and speak up about it in a very respectful um, way. I, th I really believe that you can speak the truth um, without hurting that person and for me personally that's also a, a work in progress right and so I think as a society we need to get better at doing this uh, with one another to extend that grace to people and also to be comfortable in our skin enough to bring up uncomfortable conversations yeah that's that's so important thank you Rach for sharing about that to bring up that uncomfortable conversation sometimes it's, it's really important but also to add on to what you say you know, um, you mentioned earlier like how you kind of regret that you could have said more. But what I like is that you continue on to be better. You improved yourself. You didn't remain guilty. I think a lot of people, they just remain in their guilt and they don't know how to move on or they don't move on. So they, they, they are in this endless state of being guilty and they just feel bad. Like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have said this. Okay, you shouldn't have said this or you should have said that. Never mind. Next time in the future, let's learn to do better. And I think for those of you who are listening, this is important that we, we need to be proactive about it. I mean, nobody's perfect. You know, Rach, I mean, we laughed it off before, even yeah. ourselves, you know. We, we, we also um, took sides to a certain extent, you know, because of the peers that are around us and everything. And I, the reason that we're talking about this because we know it's happening in, in our schools. We know it's happening uh, at campuses, uh, but it's also happening in churches, you know, and, and we need to address it and we need to talk about it and we need to improve from there. Um, I was watching a video and Trevor Noah, uh, I'm just paraphrasing what he said. He says that society is like a contract, you know. So different races all come together. We sign that contract, you know, that we will love each other, uh, take care of one another and everything. But what the American, African-American brothers feel is that, hey, their side of the contract is not being fulfilled. You know, I mean, 
And so for us here, back again, you know, yeah. Rach, I mean, we are, like you said, we are a very compliant society. We love one another. Uh, I think we need to continuously build ourselves and be better. And we can definitely see that contract getting stronger. And we can see that society, our society, get better. I mean, nobody, I mean, every, we can have an ideal way of how a society should be but it's not going to work. I think what's going to work is that when we are proactive, step-by-step, step, getting towards there. You know, it's like one example. Um, so we went to visit Pati. Uh, Pati means grandma in Tamil. And I asked Ayla, please go and hug your Pati before we go home. You know, she, she refused the entire day. And so I asked her, just in front of everyone, I said, uh, Ayla, why you, didn't want, why you don't want to hug Pati? Because Pati is smelly. <laughs> you know? Now, Ayla is, is innocent. She's three years old. She, she's innocent. And she just blurted that out. But in that moment, Rach, I, I took that moment, I, I talked to her. I said that, Ayla, that's not a nice thing to say. Growing up, you know, our Indian friends, they, 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 ha they are accustomed to a certain smell. They use the jasmine flower and coconut oil. And it's, it's pretty strong. And because people don't know how to uh, talk about it, don't know, they're not accustomed to it, so they just equate it to smelly and they were not educated from there. So I think it was a very important moment between Ayla and I and I told her that, Ayla, that's not the right thing to say. Yeah, you might feel that way, but you must learn to also embrace other people's culture. You must also learn from it. And I remember there's also this video, I, uh, I don't know if you watched it, Rich, where this lady was... Uh, like she was getting angry with a bunch of uh, African-Americans. And she said one line. She said that, I'm going to tell my lawyer that this African-American man is harassing me. Now, it's a very simple statement, but it's so powerful because she knows her rights, you know? And when I take time to reflect on it and upon our culture, you know how sometimes people will say, Woi, orang India! Yeah. You know, that one sentence carries so much weight. Whenever I hear someone calling me that, like, I'll get really angry, you know, and I'll, I'll, like, I'll defend myself wrongly. Again, I'll defend myself wrongly in that. So I think, again, you know, the educate to learn how to teach our young ones and to see our whole society move together better and, become, and becoming better human. Yeah, I think when you bring that, comment, right, of like, oh, you're in India, right? It just immediately brought me back to a memory when we met into an accident. Do you remember? Yes. We had just sent Gerard home and we were coming out and we had collided with a motorist. And um, at first stance, they had thought and they had presumed that we were of their race, right? Yeah, correct. And the moment they, the moment we clarified and the moment they found out we were of a different race, oh my goodness, all hell broke loose. Like, like within seconds, we were like mocked by like hundreds, almost like, I don't know, like there were so many motorists that came alongside and we were, we were harassed. I was so terrified that night. Do you remember that incident? I remember they asked for our ICs, you know, they yeah. were harassing us. Just a split change because they recognized that we were Different race. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. but I remember. Thanks, yeah. Rich, for bringing up the incident. Yeah. And yeah, I think one of those guys blurted it out, you know? You remember, you remember what he said? He said, whoa, dunia sudah maju. 
<laughs> I don't think he meant well when he said that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. He said it. He said it when he discovered your ethnicity, yeah. right? And so he was saying it in a very insinuating way that, like, oh, you are not actually what you mm-hmm. look like, and that's surprising. I think the next step is also to acknowledge it at home. You know, just like that boy who called me, "Hey, Rin Yakao." I mean, where did he learn it from? You know, he had yeah. to learn it from home. Coming to school, he sees someone that is not of his same skin color and he called me that. You know, so at home, you know, you might think that it's yeah. innocent to just, ah, yeah, it's at home. No one will know, you know, and let's just make this joke because it's of a different race. No, parents, do not do that. You know, it, at campus, you know, in school, teachers have to educate them as well. And even at a church setting, it's so crucial because sometimes we can get comfortable with our friends and we get so comfortable that I've heard it before myself, Rach, and this is in the church setting. Someone would make a racist comment, you know, or, or, or say something that, oh my gosh, it make you, and, and you brush it off. Your, your, your coping mechanism is you brush yeah. it off. And, and so in actual fact, what you have to do is actually, hey, you shouldn't have said it, you know? And so I think this podcast is a reminder that we are not perfect human beings, but we need to progress. We need to do better. We, especially at a time like this, with what's happening with our brothers and sisters in America and here in Malaysia, we, we have our own battles as well and we want to do better. But Rich, what do you think are the other ways that we could really improve and be proactive? I think first and foremost, you know, like it's, it makes sense and it's acceptable if, you know, you have come from like a certain um, upbringing and that you have only been exposed to a certain group of um, people for a long time. And so granted, when you meet um, people outside of your skin color, outside of your religious practices, outside of your, you know, um, ethnicity, it will seem strange, right? And and that's where the whole, the whole um, unaccepting part comes in because you cannot you cannot comprehend that and you cannot see them as part of you because you're so different. I think one of the most proactive ways is that like, you know, when you go into like campus, you know, when you start university or even in the workplace, find new friends, find friends of other cultures, find friends of other diversities. And if you're so used to just sticking around a certain race, I think, you know, when you go to university, you don't have excuses because universities are like melting pots of culture. You know, you get all kinds of people in in, in a university and it's up to you to engage uh, whether or not you want to um, intentionally, purposely, purposefully find friends of different culture and race. Um, but in doing so, you know, your perspectives will be challenged, definitely. But in being challenged, it will be widened. And that's where you become more understanding, you become more empathetic, and you start learning to see people from a different worldview, you know? Like, take, take Ayla's example, for example. I, I think, then like, what you did with her was phenomenal. I think... Um, it's important that, you know, as a society, as parents, as adults, when we see situations of racism like that, um, that we don't say, oh, well, she's just three years old, you know, like, ah, it's okay, you know, or we get so used as a society saying, ah, chill, bro, you know, like, I'm just joking, you know, like, why are you so serious, you know? Um, but when we step in and we actually have a conversation, like, you know, you were not condemning her, you were not putting her down, 
And um, it's important that when we have conversations like this, that there are no shame involved, right? I think why people shy away from these conversations is because apart from feeling guilty, you feel shame. You feel so embarrassed. Um, and, and no one likes being, feel, being felt that way, you know? And I'm sure Ayla, being a three-year-old, she also recognized, you know, that there was some shame and guilt involved. But I think having a conversation about it, um, explaining to her why it's not okay to say something like that, um, will help her not become an adult that's going to be saying things like that. And I think it not just it doesn't just start from home. It starts from everywhere, you know. And I, as an auntie, you know, to Kyle and Isla, I pledge to be an auntie that will that will continue to create that conversation with them. That you know, when they meet people of different color, and you know, uh, when they look at some groups of people that seem different, right? They're just so different and so it seems strange, right? Because they're not exposed to them. Um, that's where the questions arise. That's where the mean comments arise because they can't comprehend. Um, and I think it's up to us. And I think as parents today, again, find diverse friends, you know, like expose your children to friends of different colors, different race, different religion background. And I think that's where they, they learn to start empathizing and they start realizing that not everyone is like that. Um, not everyone is like them. Not everyone thinks like them. Not everyone smells like them, for instance. You know? um, and so, so, yeah, those things are, are, I would think, are practical things. Expand your, um, your, your friendship. Expand the people that you hang out with. And you will see your perspectives and your worldview challenge, definitely. That is so true. That is so important. And I, I want to speak from a church perspective. We said it before, don't be in your own clique. Don't be cliquish, your own group of people. And I think, yeah, it's not just a certain group of people. Diversify. So I think, yeah, today's conversation is so important. And I just love having this conversation with you, Rach, and, and to really address some of this thing. Once again, this is not a perfect conversation, but this is to raise awareness. And we just want to be honest, you know, some of the things that we are facing. And, and nowhere, no race has not felt a certain kind of racism before. I'm sure they do. And that's why we want to bring this awareness. And it starts from home. It starts from school. It starts from church. It really starts in the community, how we react to certain things, you know. And we don't say things, simply things like, ah, you see, all Indian people are like that. Y you know, or oh, you yeah. see that? Or like, yeah, the standard things of like, all Malays are yeah. lazy, or all Chinese are yeah. stingy. It's which, not is not true, true, which is not right? true, right? absolutely not true like if you hang out enough with you if you hang out with enough malays and chinese and indians like like our dad for example like he is like the cleanest freak mm -hmm. person that yes. we know then like if he could he would shower five yeah. times a day and he is so particular about his hair and his clothes and like he he no one else can iron his clothes except mama because it is not yeah. straight enough like it's crazy. But like, I think when you, naturally, when you expand that circle, you will see that your stereotypes are wrong most times. And that you are, it is not the way you perceive to be. You will find a lot of Malays who are hardworking and who are honest, decent, hard workers, you know, uh, in Malaysia. You will find a lot of Chinese people who are very, very generous people. I know so many Chinese people who are so gener generous. So I think it's time that, these stereotypes have to go. And the only way to let it go is not just to tell your mind, okay, I need to stop saying that, I need to stop saying that. But again, have those perspectives challenged by having conversations with people. Let people prove you wrong. 
uh, and go into conversations without defense armors, you know, like not going in, you know, wanting to fight or win a battle, but going in to listen and to understand and to empathize with people's situations, you know. I think then when we look at the whole like George Floyd situation, right, I think um, it's so wonderful that a lot of young Malaysians, young people are speaking up about the situation and they feel a sense of like connection perhaps even for friends and families who live in the US and, um, and the racism there is stark and it's real. But I think, you know, it's also important that as it's happening on a global scale, that we as Malaysians learn to bring it down on a local scale, you know, that we as young people learn to see the racism and the injustice that's happening here because you don't have to look far to see them. Uh, it's rampant here. And so I think it's important that, you know, in order to empathize with the... African-Americans in order to empathize with the marginalized groups in other parts of the world, it starts from home. Um, how well do we empathize with people from other races? And, and when we figure this out, when we work on getting better at this, then um, we will learn to empathize on a global scale um, even better. So I think, yeah, I think that's important to highlight. You know, one of the things that I like about the Indonesian culture, and this is my own personal experience, is that I remember meeting like Indonesian friends for the first time, you know, in campus. And I, I would ask them these questions. I said, hey, um, what are you? I, I know yeah. it's not the right <laughs> structure of words, but I was so saying, used hey, to wh what, what are you? I mean, of course, it would begin with where you're from and yeah. uh, what are you, <laughs> you know? And we, are, and we are so... Yeah, exactly. Well-versed, we're so used, we're so well-versed to that question, you know? And I like what the Indonesians would say. I'm Indonesian. Yeah. But that's not the answer we want. We were like, no, what, what are you, bro? Like, um, oh, sorry, what's your race? Then they will go like, oh, I'm <laughs> yeah, a Chinese. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Javanese. I'm a Bataknese. I think that is something that we could learn from them. And I think moving forward in the future in Malaysia, it'd be great, you know, if people were to ask us. Because for now, yeah. if someone asks us, hey, what are you? I'm Chinese. <laughs> I'm Indian. I'm okay. Malay, you know. Totally. It'd be great one day. So I have this conscious practice that I have. If someone would ask me, hey, where are you from? Are you? I'm Malaysian. Then they will ask like, hey, you look a little bit different. Then I'll begin to explain rather than to like, I'm a Chindian first. You know, it feels like that's like a defense. Like you want to defend something. So yeah, so this, that's a beautiful thing that I learned from, from my wife. I mean, in her, her culture as well. You know, and Rachel, there's no easy way out from this. It, it's really a step-by-step -step process we have to acknowledge that this is happening and then stop it. And if we commit the crime of doing it, we just have to be quick to say, I'm sorry. And the person that's affected have to be really quick to forgive as well. And I think that way, you know, back to what yeah. Trevor Noah says, you know, I think then that way we, we are really strengthening the contract of society and can, we can really move forward somewhere. And, and I think... Yeah. What's been happening in America and why I'm thinking so much about it now is because especially I'm a dad today. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better brother. Yeah. I want to be a better son. You know, I don't want one day Ayla will get into my past position, you know, where she's so embarrassed of a certain heritage and she wants to be uh, um, known as a certain culture or she wants to be uh, affiliated with a certain culture. And I think, man, I feel as a dad, if it comes to that. And so I want to really educate her and Kyle, you know, to be really proud of who they are. And as Malaysians, you know, how proud are we 
of our culture and what we have. So thank you so much, Rach. I really love this conversation today. And I really believe this is going to help a lot of people. Um, is there anything else you'd like to encourage and add on? Um, just a PSA that like, this is to the world and to everyone who's listening, that if you say any attacking thing to my niece and nephew, I will come and hunt you down. And I will attack mm -mm. you. No, I'm kidding. We don't do violence. <laughs> but you know, it's personal. I think, you know, as you said then, um, again, how do we empathize is when we put ourselves in that person's shoe. And why is it that I can feel so much for someone like Ayla and Kyle? It's because, you know, they're, they are my family, right? And so I think the problem with us as a society is that we are detached from these realities is because we don't see them as part of our own realities, you know? And so I think the way forward really has to be really taking our armors down, um, being humble enough, every one of us, to um, be open to listen and to also to correct people, not in a show-offish way, not in a, you know, I'm here to prove you wrong way, but that I'm here to help you understand my perspective. I'm here to help you understand the way I see the world. And, and I think when we all do that, we can find some form of common ground. You know, of course, the conversation of like us achieving like a no racist society is almost impossible, right? Impossible. And I think it's, it's gonna, it's gonna bound to happen. And, you know, like we've been fighting slavery for years and, and, you know, it's still here. So the matter of fact is that it's not something that we can eradicate instantly. But I think what's more pressing is that, you know, what are Malaysian youths stand on this? What are young people saying about this? Because we define how the next generation is going to respond. Are they going to be racist? And when you think of young kids like Ayla and Kyle, I think about my responsibility as an adult um, in her life to help her understand um, the different worldviews. And if everyone can do that, if everyone can learn to help a brother and help a sister out, I think, you know, there will be less fighting and naturally more empathy. You know, we would just learn to um, be quick to say sorry. We will be quick to ask a question to listen, not ask a question to respond. Um, and we will begin to see that change in Malaysia. I'm reminded of what if Ayla is going to go through if, for example, <laughs> an older auntie were to tell her that, hey, Ayla, yeah, yeah. Um, you know Indian people are like that. And if Ayla voiced out and say, no, auntie, you're wrong. You know what I mean? Yes, But for our society sure. would be like, oh, no, Ayla couldn't say that because she's younger and the auntie is older. No, no, I, I want to train Ayla to stand up for what is right. And in that moment, as a dad, I would say that, hey, you know what, Ayla, what you did is right. I mean, yes... It's true. I would teach Ayla to respect uncle and aunties. That is a no-brainer. But I would also teach Ayla, Ayla to stand up, even if the uncle and aunties are wrong. You know, and especially if it's a racist comment. And if Ayla were to say, stand up and say, that, hey, that's a wrong thing to say. And if they correct her, I will stand by her and say, no, yeah. my daughter is right. You, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. And I think this should, should take place. And I believe that there'll be a lot of progress as well. Um, for those of you who are listening, and maybe you are battling with some sort of racism back at home, in your campus and all, I want you to know that my sister and I, we love you, and we would love to get into a conversation with you. Um, DM us on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Daniel Quillen. Hers is at Triple R Quillen. DM us. I believe that no one should battle this alone. We are a community, all right? But this is not 
a hateful community. No. We want to really encourage you. Together, we get better and see Malaysia move forward. That's what we want to do and that's what we hope for. Once again, thank you, Rachel, so much for this conversation. My pleasure. I love you. Love you. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Do share it with your friends. Now, if you have any questions, you can DM us on our Instagram at Seoul Malaysia.